Hello everyone. I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to be together again today and we'll continue with our study now of the Word of God into part number nine today. And we're going to take ourselves back to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, which says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion. And you know, there are very simple yet very profound truths that are contained in this foundational verse that we had begun to look at last time. And this is foundational truth that cannot ever change. And it's truth that if not received, will cause shipwreck in our understanding of the scripture that won't be recovered from. And I can't stress to you how important this is um, because so often, you know, these verses are glossed over, read quickly, set aside, and no real attention given to them. And that would cause us a real problem if we don't do that. We might remember that Jesus said in Luke 24, 27, um, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And the place that Jesus began then in showing himself to his disciples was Moses. And this is where we must begin if we are going to understand the scriptures. I don't know if we've ever thought about it this way, but, you know, if God wanted us to begin reading the scriptures with the book of John, then guess what he would have done? John would have been the first book in our Bible, but it isn't. It's Genesis and it's Genesis is the place we must begin because that's where God began. And I'm sure that we know and realize that that word Genesis literally means the, the book of beginnings. It's a place where everything starts, where everything is set in place. And in fact, as we continue to study and we'll see in weeks to come that those first 34 verses in the book of Genesis, that lays out for us everything that's to be found in the scripture that comes after. In fact, those first 34 verses provide us with the foundation upon which everything else is to be built. If we don't understand what's in the foundation, we're not going to build properly as we continue to study the scriptures. So if we go back to that verse, Genesis 1:26, in it the unalterable truth is established that the purpose for the creation of man is rulership and this can never change. And for man to rule, because of what we see in this verse, he had to be in the image and likeness of God. And this can never change. If man could have ruled apart from being in God's image and likeness, then that's how he would have been created. But the fact that he's created this way makes this unalterable truth. For man to rule, he must be in God's image and he must be in God's likeness. And of course, we know full well, we had seen this last week, of course, that God is described as a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this is beyond question. This is not in doubt. This is the way that he is portrayed. And therefore, if man is made after God's likeness, then he must be a three-part being also, which is exactly what the scripture teaches us. And we can see this from 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole, souls, your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless 
at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of the grammatical structure here in the Greek language, we would understand this literally to say, may your whole spirit, whole soul and whole body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We could also see then, if we were to go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And there's something we should realise that we look at this, and if we just go back to what we've just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 there, why does our whole spirit, whole soul and whole body have to be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? And we'll deal with that in weeks to come. And this division that's made between the soul and the spirit in Hebrews chapter 4, made by the word of God, which is living and powerful. Well, there's something we should know and keep in mind continually. Uh, and this may be challenging for some of you, but let's address it anyway. Both the Hebrew language and the Greek language, the words that are used for spirit and soul are entirely different words. And these words are never on any occasion at any time used interchangeably in the scriptures. The soul and the spirit are not one and the same. They are two entirely separate and different things. And every time you would see the word spirit used in scripture, it means spirit. And every time soul is used, it means soul. So again, let us remember and keep ever in our mind that these two words never used interchangeably. And so for the teaching that's arisen throughout much of Christendom these days, that man is a two-part being, soul and spirit, um, sorry, body and spirit, body and soul, spirit and soul being one and the same thing, is scripturally incorrect. Scripture doesn't present it this way, and nor is it that way. And then we'd also noted, of course, last week that for man to be in God's image, he has to have a covering of glory. And we know that before the fall, Adam and the woman had an uncorrupted spirit, an uncorrupted soul and an uncorrupted body that was covered with glory. But then after the fall, their sin had separated their spirits from God's purpose for their creation. Their souls were corrupted, now having a sin nature, and their bodies were corrupted, no longer having the covering of glory. And that which had been created to be eternal would now experience physical death and decay. And from this point onwards, man was no longer in God's image and likeness, but in the image and likeness of fallen Adam. And this we can clearly see from Genesis chapter 5 verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness and after his image and named him Seth. And every human being since then has been procreated, not created, in the image and the likeness of Adam just as we see in the scripture here. And we would know this to be true, of course, because 
we can read in the scriptures, can't we, that we were born dead in trespasses and sins. And so that sin nature that Adam had passed on from generation to generation, even coming down to us even today. But the thing is this, if God's unalterable purpose for man's creation is to be accomplished, and of course it must be because it's unalterable, then human beings must once again be in the image and likeness of God, because this is an unalterable truth that's been set in place from the beginning. And if this is not understood, then we're going to have a serious problem. And of course, if we have a serious problem and we're teaching others, our problem gets passed on to them. And that also is a serious business. If human beings are ever to be able to fulfill God's purpose for man's creation, they would have to again be in the image and likeness of God. And for this to be possible, there had to be redemption. And in Genesis 3.21, we see the beginning of this process. Genesis 3.21 tells us also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And here is the very foundational picture for eternal salvation. It is based entirely upon death and shed blood. And we'll come back to this later on in another time of study we'll have together. But for now, once God had done this for Adam and the woman, did they receive the covering of the lost glory again? Well, no, they didn't. Did their sin nature disappear? No, it didn't. And did they now take up their position of rulership for which they were created? No, they didn't. But weren't they eternally saved at this point? Yes, they were. But that is not the end of the matter. Genesis 3.17 Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for your sake. Then if we jump down to verse 23, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden with a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So not only were Adam and Eve now in a ruined condition, and separated from the tree of life, but the ground, the earth over which he was supposed to rule, was now also cursed, although of course it did remain habitable. And do we remember that to restore the ruined creation seen at the beginning of Genesis chapter 1, God had worked for six days. So what do you think that would mean for the restoration of ruined man and the ruined earth, ruined earth. If God has set at the beginning six days of work to accomplish restoration for the ruined earth, is there a better way to restore his ruined creation apart from six days of work? Well, that's a question we'll return to next time amongst some other things we will look at. And if the Lord is willing, we'll come back and deal with this. 
But let me encourage you today, please go back and look at what we have discussed in our session this day. Go back and see the importance of the image and likeness of God. Go back and see the importance of realizing that man is that three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Because if we can grasp this, it's going to be possible for the scriptures to open to our understanding. If we refuse to see it, this is a closed book and will remain closed for all time, for which there would be serious consequences. Well, thank you so much for giving me the time today and we'll praise the Lord and continue to pray that your eyes will be opened, that you can see and continue to see the truth of the scriptures. So until next time then, God bless you and take care.